Ground ball back up the middle. Altuve backhands on the VR. They get the double play. 4-6-3. Carrera to Desmond in a 4-6-3. DeSclafani, they'll go 4-6-3. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the 4-6-3 podcast. I'm your host, Jory Negan-Schechter. I'm thrilled to be joined by Jake Brandon and Zach Warden. And a wild, wild card it was. The wild card series has run its course. We've seen three upsets, and now it is time for the division series. But before we get into the nitty-gritty of how we think things will shake down moving forward, we want to look back and take a peek into what went down in all four wild card series. Let's jump right into things. Jake, let's start with the biggest shocker of all, or shall we call it upset, the Blue Jays implosion allows the Seattle Mariners to move on to the American League Division Series. Yeah, I think I would agree with your assessment there. Probably the biggest shock. I think all of us picked the Blue Jays. I had the Blue Jays winning in three. But yeah, definitely disappointing for them. Def- disappointing to lose that the way they did, obviously. Losing 10-9, to nine, that w- they had, what, a seven-run lead. So yeah, definitely really unfortunate, but... Yeah, there's nothing you can do. That that happens sometimes in baseball. I mean, you, you get unlucky, and that's that's what I think happened to the Jays in that final game. I think it was one of the most unlucky things that I've seen in baseball. The bloop, bases-clearing double from J.P. Crawford. Just really unfortunate. And I mean, it was 8-1. It was 8-1, and somehow, some way, the Mariners managed to claw their way back. I mean... Credit to the Mariners for not giving up on them on this one because they, again, just unfathomable how they managed to do that. Yeah, I, I think uh, obviously all of us picked the Jays going in there. I, I know I had them in two. I thought just the offensive talent in Toronto was going to be kind of the difference maker in the series. And you kind of look at the overall stats. Like, obviously, as a team, you hit two home runs. Teoscar hit both of them. Um, like, Vladdy had one hit in the series. Bo went two for eight. Springer went two for seven. Like kind of your big boys didn't show up, and the Seattle's Seattle's pitching really held them held them down throughout the series. And you know you you do put up nine runs in game two, so like the offense did kind of do its thing there. But it wasn't kind of your stars that you need to rely on this time of year that were was were doing the job for the Jays. Yeah, and I, I had a feeling that the Jays could drop game one, honestly, because I thought Castillo and Manoa were really evenly matched. Manoa obviously had the better ERA on the season, but Castillo, he had a higher ERA, but I, I think they're very even pitchers when it all is said and done, and Castillo showed that. He absolutely dominated. They went Castillo and then Andres Munoz. They basically just took away that game one from the Jays. Both guys were lights out, and unfortunately, Manoa... He, he had not the greatest start. It was his first playoff start, and he's been so amazing all year, so you can't really you can't really blame the, the loss on him. But the, the Seattle pitching was unbelievable in game one. It's they, they completely took it away from the Jays. Yeah, I think for the Jays, like, I mean, you, you feel really good having Manoa and Gossman, and obviously there's the, the debate whether Gossman should have been pulled or not. I, I realistically think when you're up by seven, you should stick with your guy, you know, you give him all that money, whatever. But even even pulling him there, I don't think that was kind of the the end of the game for the Jays. It didn't lose them the game. You know, you kind of go to your pen with Anthony Bass, who struggled. Romano, you know, a tough spot for him to come in, but he didn't didn't pitch like we've seen him all year. So 
you know, from a Jays perspective, you obviously didn't do enough at the trade deadline to kind of address your issues in the bullpen. You know, Bass was really good all season and like, especially down the stretch for the Jays. So maybe it's not even not doing enough. It's just, just one of those games in a, in a super small sample size that, you know, is, is how baseball is going to get you. I mean, baseball, right? It's, well, I was going to say baseball is, there's a reason the season is 162 games because sample size is king when it comes, you know, to the Major League Baseball, you know, regular season and so forth. There's that whole song, you know, small sample size. I don't know if you guys have seen the YouTube video, right? But it's like Roger Clemens, like, I can't even remember who the guy was, but someone hit like 450 off him and the guy was like a perennial minor leaguer. Anyways, yeah, sample size obviously is is worth considering, but John Schneider was doing something that game. I don't know what he was doing because the the bullpen decisions there obviously in some respects you kind of get the logic like did he misread the splits on Carlos Santana like what happened there I did the, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that is that is astonishing and and the fact that the score it was 8 to 1 how do you how do you manage to blow that and you never mind it was 8-1 they they scored Again, they made a 9-6. It was a, an enormous lead. And there's it's hard to fathom how this ultimately came to be. Because the bullpen obviously lacked power arms. And that's been a, a theme for the Blue Jays throughout the Mark Shapiro era. You've got the, the Guardians and the Rays and every other team. And we'll get to every other team. And how they're pumping out these 100 thousand mile an hour crazy arms and the Jays have one guy that does that and it costs them so what where is this divide what how do you let that happen and then to compound that how do you not address that in the offseason because the Mariners were able to take advantage of that and the fact that the Jays lacked elite high leverage arms I saw I think it was Mike Petriello was saying after the game that the Jays brought in Meza to face Santana because they wanted to go Meza against uh, Kalanick and uh, who else did they had at the bottom of the order there? It was, uh, oh, Crawford. Yeah, so they wanted to bring in Meza to face Kalanick and Crawford, but they didn't want Meza to have to face Julio, who was at the top of the order. So for the three batter minimum, they were bringing him in to get Santana out of the way, and then you go Santana, Kalanick, Crawford and if he doesn't get the three of them out then you go somewhere else to face Julio at the top of the order however I mean you do have two out Santana is better against righties so I don't know why you make that decision like it's it's tough because you just need to get one out so get that one out and then worry about everybody else it it feels like maybe they overlooked Santana a little bit and you know he killed the Jays all year he had that that like huge game in Seattle when the Mariners swept the Jays and it's it's a tough look for Schneider for sure. I don't think that it kind of it might taint the way that his season went. Obviously, he kind of was looking like the future manager of the Jays there, and now now people are questioning that. I think you know one decision like that shouldn't make them look elsewhere. But I do think that it you know whoever makes that decision right. Like there's a lot of managers that come out and say front office makes bullpen decisions. It's not really the manager, but. John Schneider is taking a lot of heat for that. Yeah, I mean, the Mesa decision is what you look back at, obviously. I think 
I think it's just a case of a manager trying to do too much in a situation, just over-managing. And, and, and you didn't need to make a move. It was 8-1, just ride with your guy. That's that's basically all he had to do. But he decided to take matters into his own hands, obviously. Kind of overthought thought it. The pressure's on in the playoffs, so I understand why the pressure got to him. But, yeah, it's it's interesting. Not, so he wanted him to face three batters, obviously. He was scared of the Julio matchup. But Julio has even splits. I wouldn't really be scared of that matchup. The matchup that you should be scared of is the one that he put Beza in, and that's the Santana situation because he's such a better hitter against left-handed pitching. And yeah, like you mentioned before, obviously there was two outs, so he doesn't even have to face three batters. You just bring in a right-handed batter, or you just you, you bring in a right-handed pitcher, or you just ride with Gosman, get the last out, and then you worry about next inning. Yeah. It's... And and the Mariners pinch hit for Kelnick the next inning against Meza anyways. So. Right. Yeah, another thing that's interesting too is at the the first game they had three lefties back to back to back. It was and then they decided to change it and go Frazier ahead of Carlos Santana. Frazier obviously the one that buried the Jays with that double at the end. But yeah, I I thought it was interesting that they rode three lefties back to back to back in the first game. I didn't think that was a great decision, and obviously better lineup construction proves beneficial for the Mariners in in game two. Yeah, and I'm sorry, I meant they obviously pinch hit for Kelnick. After the Santana home run, they right. brought, in, yeah, exactly. brought in Dylan yeah, exactly. Moore and pinch hit for him there. So, yeah. you know, maybe, yeah, poor, poor decision making. But overall, I, I still think that you do have to look at the eighth and ninth innings as where the Jays really did lose the game. Like that decision, the home run, you're still winning. You have to be able to, in the especially in the playoffs, you have to be able to find a way to bounce back from that and not let one home run affect you. Yeah. Well, exactly, right? Because they were winning after that, you know, disastrous situation. And so they bring on Bass, who also fails to provide the the high leverage spot that he was brought in to basically provide. It's it's troublesome. It's, like, mind-boggling almost because of how the Jays were at, like, 99% to win, not even in terms of, like, you know, gut feeling by like ESPN's metrics. Like it was, it was such an improbable, unthinkable collapse. And, and I also think, cause you know, there's, there's questions to be asked about if the Jays lost that series or if, if, you know, the Mariners won it. And a lot of the kind of, um, call it blame is on the, on the Jays, but, but kudos to the kudos to the Mariners as well. Right. They took advantage of, of subpar pitching and, were able to ultimately win the series, and I think that also deserves some credit. Yeah, 100%. The Mariners' offense outperformed the Blue Jays, which is, you know, if you had told me that before the series, I'd, you know, maybe be like, oh, Seattle's going to win the series because, you know, the Jays had what looked like such an advantage offensively that it was tough to kind of look any other way. But, you know, the Jays, you know, you got you get decent production from Chapman, Kirk, and Jansen, where, you know, Seattle got good production from, like, Adam Frazier, Cal Riley, Suarez, uh, like, Carlos Santana, obviously, with the home run. You get, you know, just a little bit deeper, and, you know, it wasn't even the, the Mariners, like, stars. It wasn't Julio or Ty France that was really killing them. So just that, that extra little bit of pop at the bottom of the Mariners lineup, I think, was ultimately kind of, kind of the difference alongside, obviously, the pitching. Yeah, that's, that's what we talk about in the playoffs so much, is just having those guys that normally aren't your top guys that carry you step up. That's what helps you win a series. And, and for the Mariners, yeah, it was it was Carlos Santana. It was Cal Riley. Those two guys that you that are, that are really solid players, don't get me wrong, but they're not the guys that have carried them all season. 
they stepped up at the right time and and yeah that's why they're advancing well i mean you just touched on it there they're on to the next round and now they've they've got the houston astros standing in front of them so that obviously as an al west matchup looks like it's going to be i mean really exciting i think that in terms of favorites i'd say the astros certainly stand out as the better team but if you recall at the end of our last episode i was kind of like watch out the mariners make it out they could have some mojo and i mean it's hard to have much more mojo than coming all the way back from 8-1 so how do you guys assess that series and and the outlook of of the astros versus mariners series zach i'll start with you yeah it's tough to to look at the astros and think that there's and a team in the al that can compete with them and I think if we look at it for a lot of the teams that ended up winning, like getting these upsets, I feel like they're all worse matchups for the teams that they're playing in the next round. You know, I feel like the Jays were a much better matchup for Houston. Obviously, Seattle's a good team, and we, we, did, we did just see that. But I think, like, Houston has probably a better rotation. The, the bullpens are very similar. Obviously, Seattle maybe has a little bit more power at the back of theirs. But, you know, Houston's bullpen is really good themselves. And their offense is crazy. I think just looking at kind of positionally breaking down the series, like he, Seattle has better players at like two, maybe three of the, the fielding positions, you know, like Julio is probably better than uh, Houston's center fielder. Like Ty France is, has been better than Yuli Gurriel. And then like Cal Riley behind the plate is probably better than Martin Maldonado, but like even the defensive presence that Maldonado brings to the game is a huge impact as well. So I think, it's overwhelmingly looking like Houston has the better team and it's going to take kind of something similar for Seattle where their pitching is going to really have to step up in this series for them to, to have a chance to win. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the Astros are a heavy favorite here. I think another thing that works against the Mariners obviously is not being able to lead off with their best guy, not being able to lead off the series with Castillo. I'm assuming they haven't announced their, their rotation officially, but the, the Guardians announced their rotation and they're going to their third starter, Quantrill. So we kind of feel like Gilbert is going to get that game one against Verlander and you just look Verlander versus Gilbert. Gilbert's a good pitcher, but he's not JV. That's, that's a huge mismatch right there. And then you don't even talk. And then the Astros offense is just obviously so much better as well. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. You forget about it if, if you're trying to kind of mismatch, but, but in terms of, again, because I think the playoffs are so streak happy, right? You get hot at the right time you end up with an 89-win Braves team going all the way and, and winning the whole thing just just last year. So I think the Mariners certainly have that type of juice if they can, you know, find some of that luck and, and find some of that, I don't know, momentum or whatever you want to call it and uh, parlay that into some success, some success against the Astros. And I, I don't think there's really any question that the the Astros are the superior team. I mean, Bregman and even Pena slowed down in the second half, but he was really good. And, and Altuve having an MVP type season, there's there's just a lot more. And I didn't even touch on the pitching, right? Like there, there's just there's just way more in terms of the Astros in terms of pure skill. But you get into the question of you know rest versus rust. We saw that back in 2012, right? I mean, the was it the Giants had come in and the Tigers were were sitting around and all of a sudden the the World Series was a stunner, right? So I just I feel like there's there's the on paper um pick maybe here, but I mean I don't think there's any team coming in with the momentum as a wild card winner that the Mariners are coming in with. 
yeah, no, I think that's that could be a huge factor too, right? Seattle obviously feeling really good about themselves. You go into Toronto where nobody was picking you to win, and you pull that off. I think a key for Seattle could really be that game one, right? If, if Logan Gilbert comes out and throws well, and then you go Castillo against Framber, Robbie Ray against... Who would, who would Houston throw game three? I like Javier to go game three, but um, they have a lot of options, obviously, right? They have they have Luis Garcia as an option as well, so yeah, or McCullers too. He's yeah, back, McCullers so like there, there's there's a lot of a lot of depth there, and I think as as the series goes longer, the more I actually do like Seattle in the series because you know Houston, if they can kind of come out and take those first two games, taking advantage of Seattle having to play in the wild card series, you take advantage of Gilbert. And then you go Framber against Castillo. But if the Mariners can kind of get have some success early, I, I do feel like they they might be able to kind of sneak in and take it and be able to beat Houston. Yeah, I definitely I definitely agree with that. I mean, the the first matchup is is the biggest mismatch, and if they can win that, then it just really evens up the series for for the rest of it. They're both they're both teams with super deep pitching staff, super deep bullpens, and then obviously, like we talked about, the Astros have the advantage offensively, but winning that game one in that mismatch would just completely shift the odds in the series. Stealing home field, I think, is is kind of what, what we're getting at and, and what's ultimately, I think, going to be the the biggest thing if, if the Mariners do want to win it. And I don't necessarily think that the Mariners are going to be able to do that. I think that facing JV is going to be such a huge task for them. I mean, listen, Alec Manoa had a relatively Cy Young caliber season, as did Gosman in a lot of respects. Both of them are still a considerable tier below the season that Justin Verlander just put together, right? So this will be a whole different level of test for that lineup. And I don't necessarily know if their lineup has the depth to do that. Now, with that said, they just showed last series that, you know, depth be damned, they can do it. But I also have my questions about how that's going to translate. And then, you know, for Framber for game two, it just, it, it's tough to see the Mariners continuing, but I, I mean, in a lot of respects, they're the, they're the wildcard team, I think with the best shot. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll get into that a little bit later. I do disagree maybe a little bit. Obviously we'll, we'll get into our picks. I don't know. Do we kind of want to start with that, that now and have our, our picks for this series? Well, I mean, we can go through that now. I mean, Zach, I guess I'll give you the floor here. Who do you like? Yeah, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Astros in four. I think, Seattle is, you know, probably a little too talented to lose one game. I'm going to fix that mistake from last series when I went Jays in two. I feel like Houston is just overwhelmingly too good to lose this series, though. I'll give Seattle a game just based on kind of the vibes and the pitching depth probably being able to get them one game. But I do think that Houston is going to be able to kind of roll over them in this series. And Jake, what's your kind of assessment here on that? Yeah, I mean, I'd love to give a different opinion, but I actually do have the exact same. I have I have the Astros in four. You look at game one, Gilbert versus Verlander, you got to go JV. Game two, you got Castillo versus Valdez. It's actually pretty even. I could, I could see that one going either way. Maybe that's that's the one that the, the Mariners take. But yeah, Ray versus Javier after that. And then after that, they might go, go back to JV for game four or save him for game five. But I don't think it's going to get to game five. I think it's, I think it's Astros and four. Here's a question for you guys. And, and you guys, one of you can maybe look this kind of up while, while I discuss my pick, how do the Mariners hit left-handed pitching? Because I think that could be the biggest call it decision maker almost in this series, because 
I would presume that Robbie Ray goes game three. And as we saw against the Blue Jays, Robbie Ray got rocked. But if the Astros hit left-handed pitching anywhere below like average, that could be an enormous swing. Because as you guys have both articulated, game two to me is like a 50-50 toss-up just based on that pitching matchup. And again, maybe, I mean, based on the offensive output of those two lineups, you would expect the the Astros maybe to be ahead, but say game one is 60-40, game game two is a lot closer to 50-50. So that game three against the left-handed Robbie Ray, I think could be a huge difference maker. Now, I don't know if either of you guys were able to find anything. You can just interrupt me if you did. Yeah, Houston, Houston hits lefties better like by OPS than they do against righties obviously like smaller sample size they have like 2,000 less at bats against lefties but from they they have a higher average higher obp higher slugging and a higher ops against lefties than they do against righties so yeah so that with that said i think that is going to be the decision maker i still give the mariners a lot of credit i don't really love that they're going to likely have to go to potentially logan gilbert twice or like maybe like, I don't really know who goes a game four if it makes it there, but I think that you guys are probably on the right track, and I do have to say the Astros, but I will say Astros in five because I think that we just saw the Mariners can play with the quote-unquote big boys. Now, the Jays are not the Astros, but the Mariners can the Mariners can play with the big boys. And coming in with the momentum, I think that will definitely be a factor especially on the kind of first and and second game if they're able to steal either of those yeah I I think that's that's a good pick too and a game five would be very interesting whether you know if the Astros do go to Verlander in a game four and you know imagine they lose that game right like if it's if it's 2-1 and you lose with Verlander and then you have Seattle with all the momentum going into a game five and they would probably have maybe not Castillo but you probably have Ray again in that scenario maybe or like Gilbert or Kirby might really step up and show that they can they can really shut down this this Astros offense so on that let's kind of move along to the we looked at the the most exciting series let's maybe look at the depending on your definition the least exciting of the first round series including a 15 inning marathon that ended one nothing which really speaks to the quality of hitting that we saw in this series. Zach, I don't know if you still have those numbers up, but the Cleveland Guardians and Tampa Bay Rays, Do you, if you still do have them, do you uh, want to rhyme off what uh, each team's slash lines were for that, uh, for that first series? Yeah, so Cleveland hit 171 with a 222 on base and a 250 slug with obviously the slugging coming on two home runs their only extra base hits in the series and now tampa bay hit 115 179 obp and a 154 slug them only having one extra base hit themselves jose series home run so yeah (laughs) what great pitching that series we can say that. I mean, exactly. The pitching, the pitching was amazing. I mean, McClanahan had a had a gem, if not for Ramirez, you know, somehow hitting that ball out. I mean, game two was an absolute duel. Shane Bieber in game one was spectacular. It was the whole entire series. The bullpens were were great. 
it did not amount to very exciting baseball necessarily. I mean, that that game, um, a friend of mine with, with some boomer type of uh, baseball takes was said something to the effect of, this was the most enjoyable game I've ever watched. And to him, I say, how? That, that was, because he likes old school baseball. That, that game was the most 2020s baseball game I have ever seen. A million relievers and the only run coming on a home run. That was everyone striking out. It was it was baseball at its best and also baseball at its at its worst. But nonetheless, the Guardians do pull it out. You two, I believe, took the Guardians and I took the Rays. Yeah. So where did I go wrong? I mean, I, I just thought the Guardians were, were the better team through and through. I mean, their, their offense, I thought, was a little better. Obviously, it wasn't on full display. They only scored three runs in the series, but it was better than the Rays, and that's all they had to be was, was better than the Tampa Bay Rays, who, who are a really poor offense. It's, the series was super interesting. It's, it's kind of This series, compared to the other AL series, it's kind of old-school baseball versus new-school baseball. Old-school baseball well, viewers kind of appreciate the pitchers duel more and that's really what we got in this series we got four really good starting pitchers to pitcher performances and the series broke down to just a couple of home runs it was the jose ramirez home run the oscar gonzalez home run and the jose siri home run that's all the offense that they had to speak of and honestly that that 15 inning game i didn't get to watch the whole thing but that is pretty enjoyable for me just the anticipation of just waiting for something to happen. Like I, I, I love, I, I love baseball so much and just getting to watch 15 innings of it, just, just waiting for something to finally happen. And when that home run finally happens, imagine that feeling for someone like Oscar Gonzalez. Everybody was striking that. out. Yeah. That game was un. that game was unwatchable. Every, everything <laughs> was a strikeout. It was, it was a so 2020 baseball. I can't like 2022 yeah. baseball. If you boil 2022 baseball and, like, we're, like, breathing in the concentrate, that game would give you, like, carbon monoxide poisoning. It was so 2022 baseball. Yeah. The, the two teams combined to strike out 55 times in the two games. That's crazy. Yeah. That's terrible! I mean, I mean, there's some great pitchers, but, like, at some point, you just got to be able to hit them. Like, their offenses are really poor. That's ball, so like. bad! <laughs> yeah. 55 in two games! Yeah, that's... That's a lot. <laughs> How? I mean, it's the Tampa Bay Rays. <laughs> that's 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 what I mean, get. this is exactly it, it is like the two like nerdiest teams that are trying to moneyball baseball to the millionth degree. So perhaps this result was not shocking. But holy crap. Like I mean, I don't know. Some people obviously like yourself, Jake, enjoyed that. But I can appreciate it, yeah. <laughs> that was, I don't know. Zach, was that series enjoyable for you? To be honest, I really enjoyed watching the pitching. Like, Glasnow, McClanahan, Bieber, and McKenzie. Like, all, that, it was super fun to watch. And, you know, all of Cleveland's relievers were really good. I think, you know, the one inning I was kind of in our group chat about Tampa baseball pen where you bring in Fairbanks and he doesn't look that good and Jason Adam hits the first guy and then they get out of it. So, you know, it was a really interesting pitching series to watch obviously the the offense not fun to watch at all but i think from a from a watching the pitching perspective like there there wasn't anything that you could have asked for more than what those four starters and then the the bullpens gave behind them exactly well i can't disagree there i mean the the pitching yeah like we we touched on it the pitching was so sparkling right i i think game one maybe was a little bit more at my alley i also admittedly got to watch a larger portion of game one 
and Bieber was just nasty and McClanahan was just nasty. And that was a ton of fun, right? Once we're going 15 innings and no one can put the bat on the ball except for like Miles Straw, like what are we doing here? Like we're... It just put two great bullpens on full display, honestly. I mean, we got to see really? every single reliever used, and we saw that almost everybody they threw out there was good. And the bomb ended up coming off Kluber, a guy that they probably didn't want to turn to at all in the series. So that's that's it was just whoever was deeper was in, in, in bullpen pitching was going to win it. I, and and that, that's, it's that's crazy, funny. right? It's so crazy. And, I, I mean, total respect to that, right? Because it's it speaks to both of those teams' ability to develop this – talent for their bullpen you know like back in ye olden days the bullpen was where you tossed failed starters these guys every single one of them would probably be a closer on 70 percent of every team if teams still use closers yeah i i think kind of coming in like maybe i got a little bit too high on cleveland's rotation plus bullpen which is kind of why i you know have them going to the alcs and winning this next series but, you know, watching it, I was, you know, I'm like, oh, I feel so justified right now. Like, these guys look amazing. You know, Sam Hench's, like, his extra inning performance, you know, he goes three innings with six Ks. And, you know, Class A looked great the whole series. Uh, Eli Morgan was good. Trevor Stephan. Like, I mean, obviously, everybody Cleveland put on the mound performed really well. And I think it's, you know, they're they're rolling right now. And they're going to be very tough for the Yankees to beat in the next round. Exactly. I mean, you segued very nicely here. So, Jake, I'll ask you this with regards to the evil empire against the Cleveland Guardians. Who do you like in that series, and, and why do you like them? Yeah, I mean, I got to go with the Yankees. It's it's the easy pick, but I just, don't, I just think they're such a better team than the Guardians overall. Like we mentioned with the Mariners series, I think having that game one matchup where they have to throw out their third starter, they have to throw Quantrill versus Garrett Cole, that's an even bigger matchup than we're talking mismatch that, that we're talking about in the Houston series. I, I don't really believe in Quantrill that much. I think I think he's a solid pitcher, but he's he's had like a mid three ZRA. I, I think he's kind of close to to a four. And Garrett Cole hasn't been amazing this season. He hasn't been the Cole of usual, but I do think he is still really talented. I think he I think he has the ability to perform better than he did this year. I think he, he there was a bit of un, unlucky uh, there was a bit of a, yeah he had a bit of an unlucky, unlucky season but yeah I mean I like the Yankees overall they just I think they're a better team everywhere besides the bullpen honestly that and that that that's kind of concerning because bullpens matter a ton in the playoffs and that's the big thing for the Yankees right now they have a bunch of arms that aren't aren't 100 percent and we don't know if Clay Holmes is going to be ready that's kind of a big key to the series if they can have Holmes as that lockdown guy in the ninth use him for multiple innings. We don't know if that's going to happen. So there's a lot of question marks for the Yankees, but I, I do I do prefer them in the series. Yeah, I mean, I've already dropped it, but, you know, Guardians, I have I have them winning this series. I think, you know, it's it's funny, like, ERA plus, whatever, but Quantrill had a e- higher ERA plus than Garrett Cole this season. And Garrett Cole, proven playoff choker, maybe? I believe it. I don't know. I believe it. You know? But, I mean, even just looking, like, reading some stuff before the series, like MLB.com did a position by position breakdown for every series and you know if i run through it really quick they have the guardians rotation over the yankees they have the guardians bullpen they have jose trevino behind the plate rizzo at first jimenez at second rosario at short ramirez at third kwan in left bader in center judge in right and then stanton at dh so they only give the yankees the advantage in four spots 
and none of them are pitching. So, you know, I do agree with that. I, I think Cleveland's rotation is super underrated. McKenzie, like, I believed in him, but after his performance against Tampa Bay, I believe in him even more. He looked so good. Um, Bieber looks kind of like that ace. I know the Yankees rocked him in 2020 in the playoffs after he had that Cy Young season, but I feel like he's maybe a little bit, maybe not better this year, but he might be a little bit smarter going into this matchup. And I just don't think that the Cleveland is going to give Judge a chance to win the series. You know, I, I, I would love to see an over-under walks total for him in this series. I bet you it's probably around 10. Yeah, I think he might even be on the low side because I'm taking the over on 10. There's no chance they give him anything to hit. And I think that Yankees fans will be very disappointed because that's what they seem to do when Aaron Judge draws a base on balls. And I think Guardians fans will be quite pleased with, with that. As far as the series itself, the, the Yankees are so good, right? But, I mean, you do start to kind of see the, the holes. You do start to see them maybe at the seams, uh, you know, uh, uh, a weak bullpen here, uh, a little bit of instability in the outfield there. You know, there's there's questions kind of percolating, as there always are. And it's also, it's New York. And obviously it's not the same New York that is notorious, and we will get to the other New York and their history, but, the you know, the bright lights in NYC are always, always there. They're always percolating here and there. And, I mean, maybe it won't be the same, um, I don't know, call it outcome or call it whatever. But, I mean, I, I definitely do kind of see what you're saying. It's almost like this. there's house money there for the Guardians, right? So there's there's a lot more opportunities, I think, for them to steal games. And I also think that they they just they're coming in a lot looser now with that said i i do think the yankees are definitely the team to beat in that series i would say the yankees probably i'd say the yankees are capable of honestly like sweeping that series just just based on how good you know their best players are compared to maybe the guardians lack of star power but i don't i i don't know i i'd say yankees and forge to be safe but but it, it's another series that could certainly could certainly flip on a dime if the right you know circumstances pitching wise happen for the Guardians. Yeah, I think I think it's fair to say that the Yankees could sweep easily. Like obviously they do have bigger names and kind of the stars, and if their bullpen is able to kind of pull it together, despite you know maybe not having all of their guys coming in here, you know no no Chapman, no Marinchino, if, yeah. if that's how you say that last name, and then. You know, like you, you, you're missing those guys, and Cleveland has all their guys. I, I don't know. I just, I'm, I'm gonna go Guardians in five because I do think that it's gonna be like a really tough series to win. But I, I do like Cleveland. And one thing I'll say in terms of like kind of that star power is, um, Jimenez has to show up in this series. He, he's kind of struggled. Like obviously, he struggled in, in that series against Tampa Bay. Everyone he, struggled, right? <laughs> yeah, and like kind of coming down the stretch, I think as well. He was kind of had a tough go. But if he shows up, I really think Cleveland is going to win the series. If he doesn't, then there's maybe a little bit too much on J-Ram, but I think he might be the key to the series for Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, like you guys mentioned, I, they're not going to pitch to Judge. So the way the Yankees are going to get done is pitching, and then like the Mariners did, having some guys, some other guys are going to have to step up. They're going to have to have guys like Rizzo, Torres, Stanton step up. I think it's interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with Stanton, if they're going to keep DHing him, or if they're actually going to let him play the outfield just every day in the playoffs and that gives them the opportunity 
to play DJ LeMayhew and Glaber Torres in the lineup every day as well because they they need they need more offense besides Judge. We all know that they're not going to pitch to him. He's been the best hitter in the league. He leads off. They're going to stay away from him. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that they should be playing DJ and Torres in the lineup every day. I think they need to put their best lineup out there and give themselves the most amount of opportunities to to provide offense other than Judge. Do you think they shouldn't lead off Judge, maybe? You, you know, like, obviously you want to give him the chance to you know, get on base and kind of set the tone. But, you know, in terms of forcing a team to pitch to him, if they're not scared of the guys behind him, then you're just going to put him on and feel okay about that. Yeah, so who would be the guy that, that's leading off then? I guess I guess Rizzo. He's all, he's always been a good on-base guy. Well, I then, think yeah. you kind of clog the bases a tiny bit, although, I mean, Judge ideally is trotting around the bases anyway, so there's no clogging <laughs> to worry about. So yeah. that is a that is an interesting kind of hypothetical to pose i i would figure that they probably stick with judge in that one spot but again it, it's i don't know it's it's a very interesting question to, to ask because like if they are going to walk him so much having your leadoff guy on is exactly what you want yeah, but huge. but you're asking for judge to to do damage not get on base necessarily yeah i don't know it's 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 an interesting question and i think you know, Cleveland is going to try and make the game short. They're going to, you know, try and get good good five innings from, you know, maybe McKenzie and Quantrill you try and get five from, and then, you know, you just hand things off to your bullpen and you, you let things go after that. What, what concerns me about Cleveland is if you kind of get into a scenario where you're relying on non-Bieber McKenzie. Like, if, if you're pitching going into a game, like a, an elimination game with Quantrill on the mound, that, that scares me a little bit. If you're going into a game where you're down 2-1 and Quantrill's a guy taking the mound, you know, it's kind of not the scenario that you want. Obviously, their bullpen is so good, but that would be, you know, if, if Quantrill's pitching a game four and you're down 2-1, the Yankees have already seen him, right? And I feel like those guys who maybe don't have the best peripherals because you can kind of get on a team the first time that they see you, then you might be in a little bit of trouble. So... Obviously, a lot of close, interesting games. I think I think this is going to be another maybe low-scoring series. I think the Yankees' rotation is going to play a big role into whether they win or not. If you can kind of do what Tampa Bay did, then there's there's no way that Cleveland's going to win if the Yankees' rotation can hold Cleveland to a 176 average. Yeah, Cleveland's got to get their bats going. I think that's that's also going to be really important, right? Because, I mean, I keep referring to it, but the streakiness of the playoffs is so I think important and you know just the the pitching is going to be coming in red hot for the guardians and they're hitting arguably could not be coming any colder now is there going to be some maybe like momentum or something to be to be had from the walk-off dinger I mean maybe but I mean the fact you go 15 innings and, and muster what and they mustered like five or six hits they weren't hitting so it's it's I don't know maybe it's a maybe it's a up to the Babip gods to to change their fortunes because if you're not hitting it's the playoffs you're you're going to be facing the top arms and the top leverage arms every time you're out there and if you can't hit them against the rays i struggle to see you know them hitting against Garrett Cole and Clay Holmes and you know whoever else the Yankees choose to throw out against them yeah i mean i i, th- I think a big thing is just just how beat up the bullpen is like you go through the names that are beat up it's it's chad green michael king 
Mauricio, like you mentioned before, Peralta, like not having all these guys. We always talk about the Yankees, like you're scared to face their bullpen, but right now it's not that bad. It's it's Efros, Trevino, Loisica's, like he's fine, but it's 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 not. And, and Chapman, obviously, just you don't want to you don't want to have Chapman in, in the playoffs. So they're really gonna have to rely on their starters. The Yankees are gonna have to get really good performances from Cole, Cortez, and Severino, and. Yeah, and going back to the the leadoff man discussion as well, a big thing is that Andrew Benintendi is out. That's a guy that I would love to have in the leadoff spot for the Yankees. Uh, and yeah, they, they don't have him. They have to put Judge in the leadoff spot, where Judge is his, his probably the most optimal spot is having him too, right? So having Benintendi out is going to hurt their offense. So that's there's a lot of things going against the Yankees, but just all said and done, I think... You just I just look at that game one matchup. I, I just keep going back to that. It's Quantrill versus Cole. I just don't see any way that the, that the Guardians pull that one out and then just being down 1-0 to a team that looks better on paper. It's it's going to be really tough for them to pull it out, in my opinion. So, Zach, you're going Guardians. And Jake and I, are we both, are we both thinking uh, Yankees in this one? Yeah, Yankees in five for me. Did you say five as well? I think I, said, I think I said four, yeah. but I, I don't know. This could be... This could be a three-game series, and this could be a five-game series, and no outcome would be truly astonishing to me. We know what an outcome would be astonishing to me, though, and watch this terrible segue here. The oh, St. Louis Cardinals managing to yeah. absolutely blow it uh, with uh, Albert Pujols and uh, Yadi Molina and uh, Adam Wainwright, I guess, also uh, saying their farewells. Zach, I hit you with a little uh, something while we were out at the Centennial Colts uh, game that, from what I understand, left you displeased. Would you like to share how that went down? I mean, just just finding out the results of the game and Jory saying, I told you so, you know, made me a little upset. But, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's all right. I... Um, you know, I feel good about my Cardinals pick. I know that they got swept, and it obviously doesn't look good. But if I had told you guys coming into the series that Quintana was going to throw the way that he did, and, I mean, Michaelis wasn't great, but if you if you guys knew going into the series that Quintana's giving you, how many innings did he end up throwing? If he gives you five and a third of two hit, no runs, and Michaelis gives you... Michaelis and Montgomery combined to throw seven, giving up two runs. Are you guys still picking the Phillies? I mean, I, I think I am picking the Phillies no matter what. Like, it, you just look at the top two. Like, like no matter how good the Cardinals pitching is, I just like the Phillies. I like I like Wheeler. I like Nola. And they really showed up. They they dominated. And I don't know. It's, it is unlucky the way the Cardinals lost that first game. I will admit that. That sixth run, ninth inning, you never expect that. You don't expect your top reliever, Helsley, to just, just blow it like that. They The Cardinals had a big pinch hit performance from Juan Yepes. That was a great moment for him. But, yeah, I, I just I really like the Phillies pitching, and I, I just didn't trust the Cardinals pitching in a three-game series. I, I thought they were a deep staff with a lot of similar guys, and they just didn't have that one standout guy like the Phillies have. They have those two guys to dominate two games in the series, and that's what they did. I mean, yeah, it, it, like it's 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 tough to to go against those two guys, and you know, hindsight's twenty twenty or whatever. But Arenado and Goldschmidt combined to go one for 
15 in the series. So, you know, you don't get the production from those guys. You get, like, production from Corey Dickerson or Lars Nupar were probably the two best hitters average-wise for, uh, for St. Louis. So, you know, I, I, I feel like St. Louis has things to point at for losing that aren't their rotation, which is if I had known that they would be losing because their offense didn't show up and their bullpen lost them a game, obviously I'm not going to pick St. Louis in that series. Zach, I want to ask you about your thoughts on that game one Ryan, Ryan Helsley meltdown because I think that the – like you touched on it there, but like the pitching I think was kind of where you thought the difference would be. Obviously the one-two for the, the Phillies was kind of – I guess better, right? But you figured that if the Cardinals, what, steal one game, you're looking at Suarez going game three, which would have been catastrophic, I think. And then the bullpen, the the differences on paper looked like, I mean, listeners, you can't see my hands, but the, the Phillies are down in the dregs and the Cardinals are amongst the league's elite. So... Can you can you give me a breakdown of that that Helsley inning and and just I guess even what's going through your head? I mean, I, I think it's disappointing for sure if, if you're St. Louis and obviously, obviously, you know, the entire year I kind of was on the Phillies and was was all high on the Phillies, and then of course I go against them in the playoffs and they win. So you know, just the way things go. But you know, Helsley didn't throw strikes, and you know he's he's thrown strikes all year. It's you know, unfortunate kind of the way that he did, you know, walk two guys. He only gave up one hit, um, hit somebody. It's, you know, I honestly, I, I don't want to blame him for losing the series for St. Louis, but if he pitches the way that he does in the regular season, I feel like St. Louis wins the series. And it's, it's hard to put it on one person, especially when the offense showed up like the way that it did for St. Louis. But if he closes out that game, I think St. Louis wins 100%. I don't even think that's a hot take. Like, you know, you take game one, and that series is, it's not over, but it's tough to claw out of. So for them to just not have that leverage arm work, it just, he came out of the pen and just, it just wasn't working. And it cost them the game, and in some respects, cost them the series because. You're in a hole, and and now you got to dig out of it, right? So, I mean, there's, I I don't have maybe as much to say on on Helsley as you do. All I think I have to say is I told you to watch out for the Phillies. I said the Phillies, I said the Phillies were prime for an upset, and it it just that one two of Nola Wheeler. I mean, not in that order, but that one two, that's gonna be a problem. That was gonna be a problem, and it ended up being a problem and it's going to be a problem in the next round too. Yeah. I mean, even just like, obviously I, I can't deny that Nolan Wheeler were the best two pitchers in the series, but you know, Philly's offense didn't even really show up that much. You know, Schwarber went 0 for seven. Castellanos went 0 for seven. Bryce went two for seven. He hit the home run big for him, given the way that he's swung the bat since coming back. But like, you know, Philly didn't even win the game in the way that, you know, we talked about before where it was going to be kind of the defense and defense defensive team in St. Louis versus the the sluggers in Philadelphia. So, 
the Phillies that I know and love did not show up to this series. <laughs> and if they had, they would have lost. Well, well, realistically, we should have been looking at 1-1. Sh- the Phillies should have taken home game one, and we should have had a game three. We got robbed of a lot of game threes. We only had one, unfortunately, on the Sunday. But yeah, so Reese Hoskins it, went 0-9, for nine too. Yeah. <laughs> Who went 0-9? for nine? So it, it... Reese Hoskins. Oh, Hoskins, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> it's like I'm, I'm happy the Phillies won because I picked them, but I do think it should have gone Game Three. I think what are we looking at game in Game Three? We're looking at Suarez versus the the Cardinals said they were going to throw Wainwright, right? I'm assuming probably yeah. Which Could you is imagine it? Wainwright's would have been what Wainwright's like potential last playoff game. That would the atmosphere yeah. would have been electric and just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, we got we got robbed of Wainwright pitching one more time. I honestly kind of forgot about it because I, I was. Me and Zach were busy on on the day of game game two, but I I, I didn't realize it till after. I'm like, holy crap! Like all these guys are gone now. It's Yadi, Wainwright, Albert Pujols. That's the last we're gonna see of all of them, and it's unfortunate that uh, that it had to end that way. I would have loved to see a game three Wainwright, even if he would have lost. I would have loved to see him just 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 his competitiveness on the mound one more time to battle out in game three. I think that would have been incredible, and I I think that would have been a really close matchup as well, Wainwright versus Suarez, and then. Yeah, like like that that could go any way. I don't think any team's particularly favored in that. So, I th- I think Zach feels like his process was right in picking uh, in picking the Phillies. Similarly to how I feel about picking the Jays, I I don't like look back and be like, oh my god, like I should have like done something else in my evaluation of the series. Like, I feel like that's just baseball, right? Like it doesn't work out sometimes. I feel like the Jays were a better team. They should have won. They didn't, and obviously that that's that's how you feel. I'm assuming Zach, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously the Phillies are my squad, and this is maybe the last time that I bet against them in a scenario where I feel like it can go either way. But I, I feel like St. Louis was a better team, and it it is. I, I, I you're right. Like I felt like my process was fine, and the series just didn't play out the way that I thought it was going to. So, so are are you riding the Phillies the rest of the way now? Are you are you back on the on the train? Um. No, but, but uh, <laughs> hey, I'm never I mean, gonna bet against the I mean, Phillies I, again. Hey, here's how I'm gonna bet against yeah. the Phillies. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I very carefully worded the way I said that, where I feel like it okay. can go either way. I feel like there's no way that it can go either way in this, well, in this next. Well, hold yeah. on, hold on, because I'm curious now because we just saw the Phillies win in the least Phillies way possible by shutting the other team down. But if the sticks come alive and the pitching does what it did, is it not, you know, asking for something crazy to happen against the, the Braves in a couple of days? Yeah, no, it's it's definitely possible for sure. I just think that Philly was such a bad matchup for St. Louis in a three-game series. You get to go your two guys, and, it, and it's over. In, in this series, a five-game series with the Phillies bullpen, which is going to play a bigger role, you're not only going to be able to have Wheeler and Nola go, and Atlanta has just been so, so good. They've been the best team in baseball since, like, June. And I just think that they're so overwhelming in this series that Philadelphia is obviously good, and, you know, you just got shut down by what I think we can all agree is a not-great starting rotation, and you're going to have to switch that up against an even better rotation now. So there's a chance the bats can 
can come alive, sure, but I think that they didn't show enough in in that series to like really change my mind on just how much better the Braves are. I think also what's going to be kind of interesting, and we'll we'll look now a little bit at the at the Braves exactly as you touched on. The rotation is going to be such a huge difference. The the Braves with the newly minted Spencer Strider to his his big new deal, although questionable if he will be pitching in that series. If he is, it'll be a little bit later in the series. But yeah, the Braves, I mean, you segue, you kind of uh, teed it up nicely there where they're coming in as the best team in baseball since about, what, the the turn of the calendar over to, over to summertime sort of thing, right? So the, the Braves, I mean, I can't think of a team outside of maybe the Dodgers that is as threatening when it comes to being able to, to do damage in the way that the Braves, I guess, yeah, potentially could. Like, it's that series, I think, immediately, in my eyes, becomes the most compelling series to watch. I think the other three series will have their moments, but this one suddenly becomes a a very, like, it's almost like the like the Cardinals-Phillies ones on steroids because, you know, it's it's pitching and, and defense versus versus hitting but now the cardinals have like leveled up to the braves who i mean are i'd say even better in a lot of respects at at what the cardinals do than than the cardinals are yeah i I think the phillies lack of depth is really going to be exposed in the five game format as opposed to the three i think the honestly I, i think the braves have the best bullpen in baseball they have kenley jansen Rasiel Glacius, Colin McHugh, you just keep naming off names. They're, they're so deep. And I think what gives the Phillies a little bit of hope is, like you mentioned, Strider probably not being available. We don't know. But if they have Strider available as well, I don't, like they could use him out of the pen. Like That's just on top of having a deep the, the bullpen that they already have, being able to use Strider. They have three solid starters. I, just, I think the Braves are a really overwhelming favorite in this one, but... I, I could see them sweeping it for sure. Yeah, I, I think, you know, the Philly. They're sorry. the The Braves lineup is is deeper. You know, the Phillies obviously have really good hitters: Real Muto, Schwarber, Harper. But you know, the Braves have all of that and then more. Like, I mean, you're going Acuna, Harris, Austin Riley, Matt Olson, Dansby Swanson, Travis Darno. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's just they had Albies too, right? Like, yeah, yeah, and I mean, obviously. The Phillies are good, and you're right. I think the depth is going to really be the the end all be all of this series, where the Braves are going to be like, "Oh, cool, you know, you're you're playing Alec Bohm and you're as your six hole hitter, and we're going to roll out like, I, I don't know, like Michael Harris." Yeah, like, and and they even sit like William Contreras a lot too, right? And he's been he's been incredible. So they 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 have a deep bench too. They have lots lots of options like. They, they they sit Ozuna a lot too. He's a, he's a solid player. Like having him on the bench, they're just they're so deep. There's not there's not a ton of holes. The only hole that you really point at is second base with Albies, which they're starting Arcia. That's kind of the main hole. But they have Vaughn Grisham too, who could well, he could maybe be somebody. Exactly. That, he's that, another that guy that's really good. They've got a, a ton of depth just overall. It's I think that depth or rather that depth um, discussion is probably where this series kind of starts and finishes right yeah it's def- definitely that's going to be where it comes down to and you know like jake you said they're the best bullpen in, in baseball and the phillies are you know probably the worst bullpen in the playoffs yeah, so exactly. 
you know, sure, like Wheeler Nola, maybe you get those two to kind of help you out in in the series. But I think both of them are coming back are on what is going to amount to short rest, anyways. And you know, even if even if the Braves don't have Strider in the rotation, you're still going to be seeing Freed, Wright, and Morton, who are all having great seasons and are coming off rest. And if they have bad starts, you get to go to your bullpen and make the game shorter, anyways. So I just I just don't see a way that the Phillies can really gain enough momentum in the series to, to win it. Yeah, there's there's just, like you mentioned, there's no room for error with the Phillies starters. They ha- Wheeler and Nola have to be perfect. They can't re- pull them early and rely on the bullpen where the Braves have that advantage, obviously. Morton, like, Morton could be somebody that just throws three innings. He's not pitching that well. He doesn't have it that day. Okay, go to the bullpen. We can shut them down. Maybe we have Spencer Strider available for that game three, and, and he can pitch... You can give us multiple innings out of the pen, but yeah, an- another mismatch in game one. It's Suarez versus Freed. I-, I-, I think the Braves are just a huge favorite in that. I couldn't see the Phillies taking that down. And then, yeah, it's Wheeler and Nola for the next two, and the Phillies are going to have to win those two if they want any chance, but I, I-, I still like the-, I like the Braves in either of those as well. I, th- I think they could come out. I think the Phillies probably take one of those and the Braves take another, and then, yeah, I guess final prediction is going to be Braves, Braves and four for me. Yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Braves and Braves and five. I, you know, as as overwhelming as they are, I feel like Nola and Wheeler have kind of shown how how good that they can be. Obviously, that they're a much better offense in Atlanta than it is in St. Louis. But you know, I just think over the course of five games or even four games, you know, originally I was gonna go Braves and four, but after this series, you know, I'll give the Phillies a little bit more credit, and I think that those two guys in, in Philadelphia are going to be able to maybe grab them a couple games, but then in, in a game five, you're like already pitching on short rest. I just think that it'll be, it'll be too much for the Phillies to overcome. Yeah. You've both kind of hit the nail on the head here. I feel like the, the, the Phillies are going to have to lean really heavily on that one too, but it's hard to lean on a Wheeler Nola combo in a five game set. I don't think that the Phillies are necessarily like sweep fodder, but I don't know. Maybe maybe this is just the year that all the favorites end up advancing because I just don't really see a universe that the Phillies do win it unless their offense turns you know turns the dial up. Now, with that said, as as I kind of touched on a little earlier, like that could happen. Like they didn't hit against the against the Cardinals. Maybe they're due for some positive regression, but it's not like the pitching is getting any easier when you're facing you know Max Fried in Game One. So I don't really see a universe where the Phillies snag three could they snag two i'd say unlikely i think it's more likely that we see the braves probably win this one win this one in four i'd say i think i think four is the the safe pick i just went with five just to spice things up a little bit that's basically riding with the phillies going with them in five exactly yeah (laughs) yeah 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 yeah, exactly but you know just just to add on a little bit more like why the braves probably have a good chance of getting to to maybe nola is you know Acuna has a career 1200 OPS against him. Riley has a career 1200 OPS against him. Michael Harris has a career 900 OPS against him. Duvall is 868. Like Olsen's near 800. So you know they've they've hit him before. So if if your hope if you're a Phillies fan is you lose game one, you take two and three, you lose game four, and then maybe you come back game five and you're going all right. We're gonna split start Wheeler and Nola, and we're gonna see if we can luck our way out of here with two pitchers, you know, it's 
unlikely that both of those guys are going to be able to shut down the Braves. Yeah, those guys, or, their like, arms are going to be, they're going to have to, I mean, they're both definitely kind of call it Iron Man or, or rubber arm or whatever. They both have that in them. They both throw a ton of innings, but it's, it's going to be tough to work around the rest of the pitching staff, basically. That's that's where it's kind of gonna kind of come down, and if if the if the Phillies pitching staff can can miraculously step up, then you know they got a series. The hitting certainly has it within themselves to, you know, tag the tag the Braves here and there. But there's a huge huge uphill climb for for Philadelphia to even win two games, much less win the entire I think series. Um, and I I think for that reason. You're probably looking at the Braves advancing to to another NLCS, which perhaps not astonishing, but but certainly I, I'd say w- would be the expected outcome. And then I, I think now we can kind of look at the the final series, the final wild card series, and uh, uh, if you guys can uh, can ear me right, uh, I'm think I'm gonna stick with what I said before uh, that the Mets are ripe. For silly things to happen, and uh, Joe Musgrove showed up, and silly things happened to the New York Mets, who lost. Just, just how the hundred games, one hundred and one games, and it's it's just like that. Boom! It's season's done. The Padres are moving on. How shocking is that outcome to both of you guys, Jake? I'll start with you. How astonishing is that outcome? So I, I think we all took we took all took Mets in two. Is that correct? I think yeah, we all went. I think yeah. So, yeah, yeah. So I mean, it's shocking based on that. But I, we, I've been talking about how like our process has been correct. The results haven't been what they what we were thinking. But I think this is one I look back at and I'm like, okay, maybe I did overlook the Padres a bit. They're a really solid team. I mean. If they had Fernando Tatis on their squad right now, we'd be talking about them as one of the favorites for the World Series. And I think just after they lost Tatis, they just got written off too much. And I I, I think they deserve a lot of credit for what they did. Three really solid pitchers. Snell obviously didn't perform as well as the other two, but Darvish and Musgrove, they they performed amazing. I think I think there was an argument to even go Musgrove in Game One, but Darvish obviously coming off a pitcher of the month performance uh, the other month. He was he was a good choice as well, but yeah, Mus- Musgrove looked so good in Game Three. He absolutely shut the Mets down, and the Mets. All, the The reason for them losing is kind of Scherzer. Honestly, it's it's tough to say. He's been so solid. He was a guy that they were were going to rely on, but it happens. Some pit, good pitchers get hit, and that's that's what happened in Game One. He the four home runs. It's it's tough to see because I'm a big fan of Max Scherzer, but yeah. Okay, before I touch on the Padres, here's my take on the Mets. Their championship window is closed. How? What? Uh, all for, that's it. Well, they they have a ton of free agents coming, right? That's kind of what you're. We're, well, what's the what's the lowdown? Why is the why is this the end of the road for the New York Mets? So it sounds like Degrom's not coming back. It sounds uncertain that Edwin Diaz is going to be back, and you know you got a lot of career years there from guys in that lineup I think you know you, the big thing that they are building around is that big two if they don't bring back to Grom I think 
their championship window. Like, I don't think that they're even the favorites in the NL East anymore. You're playing in a division where the Marlins are, are coming up. The Braves look like a dynasty. Like, adding that Strider contract today, they have Olsen, Riley, Acuna, Albies, Harris, and Strider all signed for a combined average annual value of $81 million. Holy. Yeah, like, I think the Braves are going to be talked about as, like, the dynasty of of our, like, 20s, our, our life. Yeah, like, it's just insane what Alex Anthopoulos has been able to do getting Strider today on top. Like, it just seems like it comes out of nowhere, too, right? Like, every day you just, like, you look and you're like, oh, the Braves locked up another stud long term. Like, it's just crazy. But yeah, I, I do kind yeah, of agree. And that in terms of like other they, teams, they you know, the, Do- the, the Dodgers probably aren't going anywhere. The Padres are going to have Tatis and Soto next year. They're probably going to sign Soto long term, I would imagine. And, you know, you look at some of the other teams in the, the NL, like the Phillies, where are they going? They're spending a ton of money. You have. You know, the Giants who kind of some quotes come out there that are like they're willing to spend anything to get back to the playoffs. I just think you lose to Grom and you're stuck in the middle where all these other teams are going to be continually getting better. And, you know, this was the Mets year. I feel like really this was the year that they had to do it and that they couldn't get it done in a series against, you know, what we all called was a worse team before the series started. I think that's a good assessment, I guess, in terms of like not getting it done against the worst team. But to say the window is shut with Steve Cohen as their owner feels like premature to me because, I mean, I would put them right near the top of like the Aaron Judge sweepstakes. I think. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, of course. Like if, if you do go out and do that, you bring in Judge, then maybe you're back in the conversation. But realistically, like the pitching. You know, like Scherzer's not getting any younger. Like, how good is he going to be next year? He was hurt all year. You know, you're not, I'm assuming if DeGrom doesn't come back, you're not replacing him with anybody better. So, you know, I think as good as their offense can be, and I don't really know if Judge is going to move from Yankee Stadium to City Field. It feels like <laughs> a weird, a weird move to me, unless, you know, Cohen's paying him five hundred million dollars I mean, a year, which he could like that's definitely not out of the question. Yeah, Juan, Juan Soto was traded this deadline. I mean, anything's in question with baseball right now. <laughs> that is true, you know. And ob- obviously, I'm saying this maybe a little reactionary after this happens, but the outlook for the Mets is a lot worse right now. Obviously, not knowing what's going to happen in the off season, but I, I do feel like there's a decent chance that they come back next year and are a significantly worse team. Well, who who's the better team next year? The Padres or the Mets? Padres. Yeah, I, I, I would say the Padres for sure. I think sure. I'd there, say Padres there's so much, too. There's so much work to do in the offseason for the Mets. Like, I have a ton of confidence in Cohen. I think he's going to do a good job. But like Zach mentioned, I don't know. As good of a job as he's going to do, I don't think they're going to come out as a better team. And... They just lost in the first round of the playoffs, so it's definitely looking it's looking tough for them for sure. It's three arms in their rotation are free agents, and then I think like at least four solid arms in their bullpen are also free agents. So there's a, there's a ton of work there to do, and I, I I don't know. It's 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 really frustrating for Mets fans. I definitely feel for them. Things could definitely get silly in City Field. I I think that's also just asking for for some chaos with with trades or or something and and it's not like they've got this really amazing farm outside of basically alvarez but 
the Mets, I think, are going to be so... And maybe this is a future episode. Uh, uh, who's going to have a silly offseason? But the Mets are just asking for something silly to happen. And, and the Padres, kudos to them for turning it around and, and, you know, winning the series. Like, just straight up, just... They they went out there and and they hit better and they pitched better and they and they won. I mean they there's really not too much else to say beyond that, right? It's, and the Musgrove start obviously sticks out, but I mean you mentioned Darvish had a good outing. It, it's just a a team. I don't know that that found a way. Yeah, another standout for them is Trent Grisham as well. He was he was unbelievable in the series. A guy that hasn't been great offensively this year. He provides a ton on the defensive side, but him performing the way he did offensively is just such a boost to them because having him perform on both sides of the ball rather than just one, I mean, I I think he was like someone that isn't talked about in the series for how well he performed, but he, he really helped them. Yeah. He's, he's probably the MVP of the series offensively. Like, you know, he went, he went four for eight, two walks, no K's, two home runs, three RBI, like a near 2000 OPS. Like he, you know, just if you look at baseball references, like championship win percentage added, he had like a 2.93% to to the Padres. So, you know, he, he did huge things for them. As, you know, we kind of talked about throughout this episode, the guys who aren't your stars stepping up in October is a big reason why teams win World Series. And, you know, Grisham Grisham did that for, for San Diego. And he's maybe the the most important member to that team's offense in the series yeah and he's a guy who's been good in the past too right he had a great 2020 it was looking like he was going to be a future really solid player for them but then he just he just hasn't got it done offensively he's been more of like a classic kevin kiermeyer type in center just a really good defender but if he can perform like he did in 2020 for the entirety of the playoffs which isn't out of the question it's not that big of a sample size that's that's going to give the padres a really solid shot to to upset the Dodgers in a, in a series that we did expect. Like when when the Soto trade was made, this is what we expected. We expected to be the Padres versus the Dodgers, and and that's what we're looking at right now. Well, I mean, why not move right into that? In that case, it is Dodgers. Dodgers. It is Padres. It's a battle of arguably the two biggest titans on the West Coast in the in the National League. I don't know who else could possibly be in that discussion. It's it's two of the most. I guess exciting teams really in baseball. You've got the the loaded Padres with all their stars, and you've got the loaded Dodgers who are beyond loaded. There's whatever the thing is above loaded. So, like, this is going to be just, I think, baseball at its finest when it comes to, to watchability and, and stars just showing out. You've got MVP candidates on both sides. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, I think, in, in on short. And Jake, you, you teased a little something there. Do you think there could be like an upset in the brewing here with the with the Padres? No, I, I'm not going to pick the Padres to win the series. <laughs> that's not that's not one of my hot takes for sure. But I I just I look at this and I'm like this of all of all the series, this is the one that I really want to watch. Like you mentioned, it's it's all the stars on display. West Coast, two two teams in the same division that don't like each other. I think it's I think it's going to be great. I think we're going to see great pitching and. I think we're going to see a lot more offense than we saw in in the the first few wildcard series as well. And Zach, what do you think in terms of just outcomes and, and anything else that this series could, you know, eventually put together? Yeah, you know, I I hate to to maybe throw a little bit of cold water on this series, but the Dodgers own the Padres, man. <laughs> 
like it is ridiculous you know just looking up like kind of how the Dodgers have done against the Padres they went 14 and 5 against them this season and they've won 32 of their 48 games against them since 2020 and of course they they swept them in the 2020 playoffs as well so you know as good as San Diego is like I I think the the mental hurdle of the Dodgers is maybe a little bit too much for them and we see it every year right like the the Padres go into LA like with kind of the we're the new team we're here and then LA just kind of is like flicks them away they're like yeah see ya don't care you guys are the Padres we're the Dodgers good luck that, that's that's regular season Dodgers though is there uh is there some Clayton Kershaw choking coming in the future that's that's always something we got to look at <laughs> That that is true. We could see a classic Clayton Kershaw October performance, but I don't know. I just feel like the the individual results from the past few years are a little bit too much for me to to overcome in this series. And I feel like you know, sure, San Diego's riding high, and you have Juan Soto, but you know, we talked about in the last series, like the Mets versus Padres was like who isn't gonna screw it up the most with their the two teams' histories there, and now we have the the Dodgers who have been you know historically great this season against the Padres who have yet to screw it up yet so let's wait on that to happen here yeah like it's tough to like pick the Padres because they are the Dodgers but I don't know after that Mets series this doesn't feel like you know your grandfather's Padres this feels like something kind of different and maybe this is just you know Dodger fatigue but I mean, weirder things have happened. And the Dodgers, again, with the rust thing, maybe that plays a factor. It could be a factor in all of the series. But I don't know. The The Padres, to me, this doesn't feel like the 20, what was it, 2020 was the year that they, they just owned them. Like, this doesn't feel, that team felt like a, a young team on the rise, finding its footing and, and some budding stars making their name, namely, you know, Fernando Tatis. This uh, Padres team feels like they underwhelmed in the regular season, found a way to tough it out and still make the playoffs, and now that they're in the playoffs, they just beat a 101-win Mets team, and they're going to be coming in with all sorts of kind of momentum. And I know I keep referring to momentum, but I really do believe that playoff momentum is so, so, so huge. And I also think that there's there's just more stars on the Padres now than there were at that time. Sure, like Machado was obviously on them and then obviously Tatis, but I just think that the, the Padres to me feel different. This doesn't feel like the Padres as the young and up and comer. This feels like the Padres as the we're seriously going to give you trouble and going to give you a run with our really strong pitching staff and some boppers that can do damage if you give us a shot. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting is seeing who the Padres lead off with in Game 1. They have some options there. Obviously, rest being a factor. They could go to Darvish on three days rest, or they go to Sean Manaya. That's that's probably their fourth best guy. And if they go to Manaya, that's a pretty big mismatch for Game 1. You could say all you want about Kershaw, but Kershaw versus Sean Manaya, it's easy to take the Dodgers there. And yeah, I mean... I don't know. I, I, I think the Dodgers should go with Darvish on three days rest. I think just putting themselves in a position to lose that game one is going to be such a dagger for them. Yeah, 
it'll be interesting for sure. Like if they go Mania, like you're basically saying here, you guys can have game one, but so maybe it is Darvish. I don't know. It's, it's hard to say. I think with Kershaw, you know, obviously he does have a sketchy playoff past. It'll be, do they even go with Kershaw, do you think? Or do they go, like, maybe Urias, who has been, like, yeah, probably better I think better, they probably go him. Urias, honestly. Yeah, they could like, go Urias, was, too. Urias, yeah. like, was arguably in the Cy Young conversation, obviously in, in some respects because of, you know, old-school mentality. I think he he was the league leader in, in wins. So, like, obviously that's about as old-school as it gets. But still, like, a really solid, solid, solid season from him. So I think certainly they could go Urias in Game 1, and, and I don't think that the Dodgers would be – they wouldn't have any fret. Like, there'd be no concern from them. Yeah, no, definitely, definitely an interesting conversation there. I just, again, like, you know, you said maybe it's all the favorites, like the, the Yankees, Astros, Dodgers, Braves. You could have maybe picked that, like, in, in August, and nobody would have laughed at you. But I just find it tough to, to really believe that the Padres are going to do it again against this Dodgers team that has been so good. And, you know, I think we, we have, this might be like the second time that we've talked about the Dodgers on our podcast yeah. all year. Well, they're, they're, it's just because they've been so good. Yeah, right? There's nothing exactly. to talk about. They just, they just win ball games and you just put it past you. They've been so, so good for so long. Yeah. I don't know. Just, just looking at their offense too. Like, I mean, when, when you have Freddie Freeman, Mookie Betts, Trey Turner, like Will Smith, even Max Muncy's been better. Chris Justin Taylor, been solid too. like, yeah. you know, Justin Turner, obviously, and all these guys that have been there, done that. It's going to be a tough sledding for the Padres in this in this series. Yeah, I don't. Well, I don't. I don't love picking all four favorites, which kind of because baseball is baseball is the king of dumb things happening. Like no other sport, I think outside of maybe like the first round of the national hockey league playoffs, no other sport has dumb SH one T stuff happen quite as frequently, quite as, quite as chaotically. So I don't know that this is the one series that is most prone to an upset happening. I think, I think maybe the, the battle of the AL West might be my pick for, for the dumbest thing to possibly happen, obviously being the Mariners winning, but this one could very well have some dumb things happen too, right? Like there's there's a lot of talent on the Padres, and even if it's not at the level of the Dodgers, no one's at the level of the Dodgers. But, I mean, you couldn't pay me to be like the Dodgers are winning the World Series, and like you could not, I could not be less confident in that because of how much stuff, just weird stuff just happens in the playoffs. So I, I think, I think I, well, go ahead. Like, do you see? No, no, I, I, I think it's fair to say that this Dodgers team, like maybe, you know, despite having 111 wins is the, the team that inspires the least amount of confidence in any Dodgers team that we've seen over the past few years. Like the bullpen is really good, but it's, you know, led by Evan Phillips and Alex Vesia and Chris Martin, not, you know, Kenley Jansen and Bruce R. Gratterall. I mean, obviously Gratterall's still in it this year. And like, I mean, you know, you've been getting key contributions offensively from like Gavin Lux and Trace Thompson, you know, guys that you're not as familiar with. So I think that there is definitely 
it's fair to question and be like, you know, is Tyler Anderson really going to get it done for the Dodgers in the playoffs when Max Scherzer couldn't a year ago? Like, I think it's fair to ask questions like that with these guys who are more unfamiliar and they feel a little, like, I don't want to say they feel faker, but it feels like it's just a, a product of wearing the Dodgers jersey and playing in the regular season for that team instead of, you know, actually being really good. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot of guys they're relying on that just broke out this year. You mentioned Tyler Anderson. Gonsolin has been good in the past, but he hasn't done it over a, as sustained a period as he did this year. So I kind of view him as a breakout as well. You don't know what you're going to get. I think no matter what, Gonsolin's going to go game three. We, we obviously don't know if they're going to go Kershaw, Urias, how that's going to play out game one, two. So I think the Padres match up pretty well in game three against Gonsolin because I think they're going to send Musgrove out there. I like that matchup for them to at least take one game in the series. But other than that, I think, yeah, game one's going to be interesting. They, I think they have to throw Darvish if they even want a shot. And if they don't, then I, I, I basically the way I look at it is if they throw Darvish game one, I'm going to be a little bit bold and take the Padres in five. But if they don't throw Darvish game one, then and they go Manaya, I'm going to take the Dodgers in four. And Zach, what about you? Dodgers in three. Dodgers in wow, three. He's he's over it. He's like, prediction. he's like yeah. all this Padres Dodgers, gassing up. What is this? Get out of here. They're done. <laughs> no shot. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm reading in a little bit too much to like the, the 14 and five against them in the regular season this year. But I just feel like the Dodgers are ready. And I feel like maybe I've been overlooking them a lot this season. So maybe this is me going, trying to overcorrect for that in one fell swoop. But I feel really confident in the Dodgers moving to the NLCS, regardless of who San Diego is putting on the mound. I think that's probably the right pick. I think I've talked myself into a little bit of silliness, but not enough. I think that, we're probably going to see the favorites win all four series, including the Dodgers probably in four games. Again, maybe it's a coward's pick, only picking the, the Padres to win one and not get swept. Actually, you know what? Screw it. Let's go Dodgers in five. Let's, let's give the, let's give yeah, the Padres a little go. bit of respect, but, <laughs> um, but I just, I just, I don't know. It's, it is a huge hill to climb. And I think Zach really kind of touched on it well that this doesn't feel like the same Dodgers team in terms of the stars. Obviously, they won a million games, so the results were there. But I'm not as confident going to Evan Phillips with the game on the line as I am prime Kenley Jansen. And that's just that's just a matter of fact. Yeah, just because of the one-year sample size. I, I think the biggest thing that stands out is, like we're talking about the pitching, They're, they don't have Walker Buehler. That's a big star that they don't have at the top. And it's a bunch of guys that, that have performed amazing like almost just as well as in 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 Beerly's place but you just look at it and you're like I don't know if I trust that as much but maybe that's wrong maybe you should just play by the stats they've done it all regular season and they're going to continue to do in the playoffs I don't know let, let me just drop some Evan Phillips knowledge on you right <laughs> he is nasty yeah he's since nasty. since May 4th Evan Phillips has a 0.5 ERA in 54 innings he's given up three <laughs> runs and struck out 65 and only walked 14. Any, um, anyone goes to the Dodgers and they're just amazing. That's this just, guy was like washed. He actually, had, I think he had a good 2020. Uh, like, I don't even think he even pitched in 2021, did he? Or he, he like was, was sporadic. I don't know, but just sure. Evan Phillips is good. Just sure. <laughs> I mean, 
so yeah so in 2021 he threw 13 innings between two teams classic that he came from the rays of course and i mean he also came from baltimore so (laughs) he uh yeah realistically like this is crazy just how good he's been like i mean he had in 2020 for baltimore in 14 innings he had a five era in triple a with baltimore five era in 2021 with Tampa Bay and AAA, 2.7, and they did a 3-3 ERA between two teams in 2021. So, you know, eh, whatever. But then this year, like like I said, 0.5 since, since different May animal. 4th or whatever. Different animal. Like, that's, that's best reliever in baseball stuff. I know he hasn't been super dominant, but the, I have no idea why the Dodgers stuck with Kimbrel as their closer for so long when you have this guy putting together this kind of season. Just insanity. That... I mean, maybe that Kenley Jansen take was the bad take. Maybe that I would take Kenley Jansen over Evan Feld. Maybe I'm talking on my ass. <laughs> I mean, I I mean to be fair, Kenley is probably one of the most dominant relievers that we've seen. So I don't think that's an yeah. awful take to prime feel Kenley more comfortable with with prime Kenley. But you know, Evan Phillips has been pretty ridiculous this year, and I think he is going to continue that in the playoffs. And he's a big reason why the Dodgers bullpen has been so good, despite Kimbrel not necessarily imploding, but not being the one of the top closers of all time that he was previously. Pretty much. Exactly. Right. So I think on that note, I think we can move finally to our last little piece here. Just some, some hot take, some hot take knowledge to wrap us up just very quickly. Zach, if you want to give me one big takeaway, you, uh, perhaps hope to see or think we might see either hot take, uh, player outcome, anything that you really think could send shockwaves in this ALDS, NLDS. Yeah, wouldn't it be fun if they gave out division series MVPs as well? Yeah, I know, right? Just, yeah. just, just one across all the series. But um, you know, obviously, I do have the Guardians winning, which is a pretty hot take, I guess. But I've, you know, I've had that one for a while, so I'm going to stick with it. But I'm going to say the player who's going to make the biggest difference is Freddie Freeman. So just, obviously that's not a huge hot take, an MVP candidate, but Freeman has plus 1,000 OPSs against Musgrove, Darvish, and Snell in his career. And I think he's going to kind of carry the Dodgers to, to the sweep that I predicted. And Jake, how about you? Is there any one player or any one outcome that you think could really be a difference maker in the division series. Yeah. So something I wanted to bring up, like we obviously all picked the favorites and we, I, I kind of want to discuss the, this one series that I feel is the most likely that the favorite doesn't prevail. And it's, it's what Zach picked. Honestly, I could really see the guardians upsetting the Yankees. I see like it, it it's kind of something that I want to happen as well. Because <laughs> Who wants to cheer know, for the Yankees? The, it's, it's the Yankees. The Yankees lose. The world wins. So that's kind of. I, I guess that's kind of my. Hot, I don't know if it's a hot take. It's just. It's just something that I want to happen realistically. But something I'm going to continue looking at is Trent Grisham. If he's going to be able to continue that success and and be kind of the story of the postseason. We all every every postseason has that one player and 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 maybe it could be him. And then for me, I think it's going to be that Mariners pitching if they can turn around that. You know, game one Logan Gilbert start not get obliterated. If they can steal something with that one two of Castillo and Robbie Ray, who knows, man? That Mariners team, 
something about them, the magical fairy dust or whatever it is. Something's different. Something feels different. And 21-year uh, playoff drought aside, this team, I don't know. No one deserves it more than No them. one deserves <laughs> it more than them. Hard to disagree with that. Hard to disagree with that. That's going to do it for us at the 463 Podcast. We want to thank you very much for listening. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at the 463 Pod. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple Music, and wherever else you get your podcast fix. And we will catch you ahead of the championship series.